And welcome back to Meeting of the Minds. Today I'm here with our special guest, Coach Chris Finwood from Old Dominion. Baseball we're talking today. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good to be here. Great. Thanks for asking. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about what your team's doing now. I know we're in crazy times. What are they doing to get better and improve? That's a great question. You know, everybody right now is having to be creative. Um, they're all home, uh, except for a few guys that are still around here working out, um, hoping to play in um, the Coastal Plains League, which is one of the few summer league, college summer leagues that's still trying to play. They're trying to start in July, so about five weeks from now. Uh, everybody else, you know, got sent home in mid-March when uh, they shut everything down. And so we uh, had to get with our strength coach and come up with a plan. They, they use a, a platform called Team Builder to get all of that information. And the guys kind of log their workouts and things like that. Of course, it's it's been a challenge. We had to actually send them some additional workouts, which were body weight and bands and things like that because all the gyms were closed. Uh, so, but you know what? Uh, college athletes, college baseball players are a pretty resilient bunch, and they find a way to get it done. Uh, they've been hitting when they can, throwing when they can. The pitchers, we've decided to just kind of shut down for um, a, a number of weeks just to give them their rest period. And then when they hopefully get back here this summer, um, we'll crank them back up and just kind of roll it right into the fall season. Um, we we really don't know from a planning standpoint, you know, we're having a lot of meetings with administrators and things like that, um, what we're going to be able to do this summer, if anything. And then also, what's the fall going to look like? Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's a really unsure time right now for everybody. So we're trying to make as many different contingency plans uh, as possible, you know, and uh, we are going to have school at Old Dominion this fall. We, we have, we do know that now. So that's, a, that's a plus. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because if you, if you don't, or if it's just online, uh, there's going to be more budget cuts coming because college athletics, you know, exists a lot on uh, some of those student fees that come in. So um, we're very dependent on that enrollment and uh, most we're, we're no different than most, colleges we we uh you know had to take some budget cuts because of this that ncaa tournament money not coming in hit everybody really hard and and i don't know if you've seen but you know there's been i don't know three or four college baseball programs dropped in the last week and so that's really scary we dropped our wrestling program because of all this and that's also scary so you hate to see that um yeah we're working with your wrestling team on mindset. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. And Coach Martin and then they had a great program. Um, and it was one of those just terrible, you know, r ridiculously hard decisions, I'm sure, to make. But it also uh, the personal side of it as, as it affects you. But so the guys are hanging in there. We're, um, you know, the other thing with this, with everybody getting their year of eligibility back, it creates uh, some roster management issues for, for the coaches. Um, We've got a bigger roster right now than we've ever had here, and we're trying to work through some of that and, and talk to some players about different different things. Um, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, you combine budget cuts with uh, having everybody back, uh, your seniors plus your juniors that you thought might sign, um, plus your incoming high school class. Um, 
and then, then all of a sudden now you got more bodies than you've ever had. And so you got to deal with that. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, balls in the air right now that we're trying to navigate through and and do the best we can with them. Yeah, and that's all you can do. What are some of your thoughts with how it's going to be managing a bigger team like that? Yeah, I'm not um, really in favor of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we probably usually have a little bit smaller roster than most people. I mean, my feeling on that is I've always wanted less guys so we can coach the heck out of them um, and spend more time with them. That's not going to be possible this year. So we're going to have to figure that out. We're going to have to, you know, it's going to be longer days for the coaches and probably more groups and, and things like that. But um, at the end of the day, you still got to get down to a certain number by the time you start playing next spring. And so there, it will be very competitive this fall uh, just to make the team. Um, well, there's no doubt about that. And uh, so, I mean, I, I've made sure the guys already understand that. And we've had a few players, you know, that, that have decided, you know, they don't want to uh, maybe be in that that type of atmosphere and so they're going to transfer somewhere else but most of our guys understand this isn't something we created um it's something we're having to deal with just like they are and we're trying to do the best we can with it so um you know I, I don't think there's going to be one blueprint that everybody's going to follow we were fortunate we only had two seniors on scholarship um and two that were not on scholarship but they're all coming back and they're they're great kids, you know. Why wouldn't you want them back? Uh, they're good leaders, good good people, and good players. And so, you know, we we welcome them coming back. And um, so, the rest of it, you know, we just got to figure it out. Yeah, that would make sense. What are some of your big philosophies as a coach? Some major team principles that you try to get across to your to your players? Well. I subscribe to the Greg Popovich uh, theme of coaching. We're going to tell you the truth, and we're going to love you to death. And I think those two things our kids that play in this program understand. You know, um, we're, we're we're communication is something that is vitally important in every way, and it has to be horizontal. It can't just be us, you know, talking at the players. They've got to feel safe enough and. Uh, have a good enough relationship with their surroundings and the environment here that they can give you honest feedback on what they're feeling. You know, that's a question we ask all the time. What, how do you feel? What does it feel like? And when we ask that, I tell them, don't give us the BS answer. I, that doesn't do anybody any good. I want to know. Um, and because if you, you know, what did, what did John Wooden say? You know, uh, you haven't taught until they've learned. And there's different uh, ways that happens. A lot of it just takes, uh, I call it putting the miles in, you know. You got to get out on the treadmill and put the miles in. And if you're not willing to do that and be curious about how those kids uh, feel and think and, and learn um, and improve, then you ought to think about doing something else other than coaching. And so we, we, we take that seriously. You know, we try to spend the time. Um, it's a gratifying thing to watch kids get better. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what defines you if you can coach or not. Like, plain and simple, you can do all the clinics, you can write all the books, make all the videotapes you want, but do your kids get better? And if they do, then you're probably a pretty good coach. Uh, and if they don't, then maybe you're not. Uh, so that's the way I look at it overall. And I think our kids, you know, feel comfortable enough to engage with us 
to have that back and forth with us. Sometimes that's not all, um, I like to say, my ties in Yahtzee. Uh, it's, uh, it can be tough conversations at times. They can be frustrated sometimes. That's okay. We can be frustrated sometimes. That's okay. But at the end of the day, they know that we're nobody wants them to be better than we do. Uh, nobody wants them to do well more than we do, have a great experience more than we do. So they know we're on their side in this. And um, so it usually works out pretty good. Yeah, I love what you said right there. And we constantly try to communicate that to our athletes, that you want to simultaneously be your own best friend and harshest critic. Not one or the other, both. It's not either or, it's both and. And that's a difficult thing to balance. Yeah, yeah. When you're either or, uh, you can end up in a, in a pretty bad place. Uh, you're either in la-la land or you're uh, down, uh, down in the dumps a lot. And right. in baseball – you guys work with all kinds of athletes. You know, baseball beats you up all by itself. Yeah. So some days you got to fool yourself into feeling good. And uh, I can remember um, watching an interview with uh, uh, Mr. Dorfman from years ago. And he, he, he asked this one athlete, like, are you that bad a player that you have to feel good to play well? He said, think about that. And sometimes I, I talk to our guys about that, like, I mean, confidence is a really important thing, but it can be a little bit overrated. Like, I can remember plenty of days uh, a lot of good players came out to the ballpark feeling sick and had great days. Right. Uh, and so that's um, that's not like the, the end game for you. You just got to have put the work in and, and be able to focus when it's time to focus, I think. Um, and, and, you know, that's our job to put those guys in the right situation so they have a chance to have success, certainly. Um, but some days from a practice standpoint, there's some value in sending them home, um, you know, with a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, chew, on, chew on that overnight. Maybe we got to work a little bit harder tomorrow or something like that. Everybody wants to finish, you know, that last rep. One more. I got to hit it good before I finish. I think that's a lot of garbage, to be honest with you. We, we spend a lot of time trying to build confidence, certainly, but there's no question there's value in, uh, you know, you having to chew on that piece of grass overnight and it don't taste that good. Um, and then you got to come out a little bit hungrier tomorrow. That's, that's an excellent point. And I think a lot of that, like coaches would really do well to internalize that and athletes that, of course, we're trying to do things to make them feel good. But feelings are highly overrated. And like you said, there's plenty of times you might feel really good and play really bad and vice versa, feel really crummy and wind up doing well. So we always tell the athletes to actually think of examples where you felt really crummy and you did well. Usually we use the weight room because people are thinking about the numbers they're putting up. They didn't feel like exercising, but they hit a max bench that day or a max squat. Well, what does that tell you? Feelings are overrated, just like you said. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it, I think. And, you know, we tell our guys all the time, the game doesn't have any feelings. The game doesn't care how you feel. <laughs> that's right. Um, at all. All it cares about is do you do things the right way? And, um, you know, you, your perceptions of what's going on are, are just, uh, you know, colored by the, the, the uh, you know, the glasses you're wearing that day. And so some days you, your glasses, you feel good. You, you see things better than some days the glasses you're wearing, um, you know, aren't, aren't that good. And so um, the problem with uh, wearing rose-colored glasses all the time is uh, the red flags don't show up, right? 
And so we got we to gotta help them with some of those. Because it's good that they do show up at times because I think you got to get through them and uh, that helps you grow. You know, I, I think in, in baseball and life and everything else, like you, you fail at something, you work at it, you get a little better, you get better at it, then it's time for the next challenge. All right, now we got to fail at something else. Fail, fail better at something else is a good way to put it, I guess. Um, and then work a little harder and get better at that. And so you're always trying to, to improve yourself. And so you're not just on uh, just kind of cruising. And uh, we, we, we like watching the guys improve. And, you know, I, I think we've got pretty, you know, a pretty good mindset in our program of, of hey, I just haven't gotten it yet, you know, um, but I'm, I'm willing to keep working to, to do it and not just be satisfied with I'm comfortable because I'm good at this. So that's, um, you know, the growth mindset type, you know, attitudes that we want to encourage, certainly. That's great. Yeah, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, always growing. And it's nice how you set up those adversity situations where they can fail in practice or they leave not feeling great. And then you're able to communicate that you know, in safe conditions that it's okay to not leave feeling great. That's right. not the end. Your feelings are not the end all be all. Go ahead. No, you're right. That, that's the, the whole thing because most of these guys have grown up not in that environment. They've grown up with just getting a bunch of sunshine pumped up their tails constantly, right? <laughs> and um, so I had an old coach one time and said his philosophy was if a kid grew up with a lot of cream, he was going to give him a little bit more crap. If he grew up with a lot of crap, he was going to give him a little bit more cream. And, you know, you see both of those sides, uh, certainly in a roster and on a team right there. And, and we just tell the guys flat out, like, look, when we're putting in a lot of these game speed type things in, in our fall practice, usually it, it almost always looks bad before it looks good. And that's just the way it is. That's how you learn. That's how you improve. That's how you get better. So don't worry about that. Just worry about, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, we use that term, keep pedaling the bike. And uh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll learn. You'll figure it out. Um, and sometimes it's good to just not tell them, let them figure it out on their own. I think a lot of good learning occurs through that. Just a good example, you know, some of our machine scrimmages in the fall, um, we like to play with no third base coach and we want the guys to understand like, you know, 99% of the decisions you make on the bases other than second to home uh, stops and goes, you can make on your own. And most of the times you're right. Uh, if you understand the rules and the concepts of, of playing the game properly. And so uh, when they go through that, we'll be at the end and we'll say, how many base running mistakes did we make today? None. Why? Because you were you were into it, like you were coaching yourselves. We make more when you're worried about that third base coach right. making all the decisions for you, right? And so that that's just a, one example of I think the guys learning and teaching themselves. That's that's really valuable. That's that's great because we do see that a lot, especially with athletes nowadays getting overly dependent on the coaches. Of course, right. there's the authority structure. You gotta you gotta play hard within the within the parameters of the team. But at the same time, there, there is a time and, and place where the athlete should be making their own decisions, and it's going to actually hurt them if they're always looking to coach. So it's yeah, great yeah. to set that up for them. Yeah, it's hard to play with one eye on the coach and one eye on the ball, right? <laughs> and, then, and then a lot of times they're playing with another, with another eye on the stands, another, yeah, that's right. another eye on the statistics, another eye on the scoreboard. And um, yeah. 
you wonder which eye is on the ball. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're right. You're right. Without a doubt. Um, you know, I think you do your best coaching when the game starts and you can kind of release the guys a little bit. And, um, you know, we, we talk about it like a, like a dance or a performance, you know, when a singer or a dancer or a person's out there, uh, performing live there's nobody out there telling them what to do anymore they've they've done the work they put the miles in they've gotten the practice in now it's just your time to go go dance man go free it up yeah are you going to make some mistakes absolutely but don't worry about it make them all on the uh, aggressive side if you can never backing up and, and go have fun um when you get a team that that is capable of doing that and kind of policing each other and talking to each other through that. It's a lot of fun as a coach to watch that. Uh, it's very gratifying because it means they've listened and they've trusted what you've kind of tried to tell them, and now they're just really freeing themselves up to go do it. Um, you know, and, and that's that's a blast when you see that. Uh, when you get those teams that constantly need the feedback and things like that, I think I tend to feel like I haven't done a good enough job with them. Um, helping them get to that point. By the time the game starts, you know, there's not that much you're doing anymore as a coach. I mean, people think it is, uh, you know, deciding on who's coming in and out of the bullpen and the pitching decisions. I get that, pitch hitting, stuff like that. But the guys got to play. You know, I prefer the guys that are base stealers to be on their own, uh, understand the situation of the game. And you know what? If you can run and you get a good jump, then we got to trust you to, to do it. Um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I don't want them always just having to wait on us to make decisions for them. I, I don't think that's the, the funnest way to play this game. Right, right. And that kind of feeds into my, my next question. I know we hit on a few of these already, but some of the biggest mental struggles that you see, especially as these athletes go from high school to college, or even as they develop in college, and they're one of the, one of the top. Mm. Yeah, kids today tend to default back to mechanics, don't they? That's the crutch, right? Uh, you talk about a pitcher's struggle, all oh, my mechanics were off. You know, uh, you don't talk, they don't talk about their mechanics when they're having success. Um, it's the bad guy, you know, and I'm, I'm always like, well, why are mechanics always the bad guy? Maybe it's your mind that's the bad guy today. Like, uh, you got to be able to fix this stuff and really, um, I don't know if you ever saw, but I learned this. This was a neat thing for me to learn. Uh, there's a, a book called uh, Golf's Sacred Journey. Um, they made a movie out of it. David Cook wrote it. And it, uh, Seven Days in Utopia is the movie. It had Robert Duvall. In it. It's a great movie. But anyway, uh, in that book, he's showing this pro golfer. It's an old golfer. It's the old story, old bull, young bull. And they're on the range, uh, and then they're playing. And he, he talks about seeing the game in front of the ball uh he's hung up on mechanics which are behind the ball and he wants him to understand like it's your eyes and your vision and your perception uh and your foreshadowing and uh visualization that really allows you to take your game to the next level so he he says that term and we've used it a lot since i read that because i thought it was really appropriate for baseball like playing the game in front of the ball not behind it um, which is me basically in a nutshell, let's, let's use our eyes more and trust what they see and, and figure that part out. And I, I thought that was really valuable for some guys to get away from the crutch of the default of always going back to mechanics. Absolutely. 
Now, we, we say that a lot, that a, a big misconception is people think what we're trying to do with mindset training is to get the athletes to think more. It's actually the opposite. We want them to think less. And as right. you just said, sometimes we have to get out of our mind and into our senses to start experiencing that success. Yeah, and that's something kids today, um, I don't think they, they, they're, they're smarter than they've ever been. They have the data. They, they value that. They're good at it. Um, they're good at training. Kids today are better at training than any generation I can remember. I've been doing this for 32 years. But they're not good at feeling. Um, they're not good at seeing, like you just said, hearing. Um, and, and because of that, they're not great at competing. And, and that's what we're trying to get them to do at the end of the day. This isn't – yeah, training's a small part of this, but the competing part, um, you've got to be willing to use your senses. And uh, I think that also adds to the enjoyment of it when you, when you trust those senses. Like we've talked about, you know, when you get out to the yard, man, and you pick up a handful of dirt, you smell that fresh-cut grass. I mean, those are sending some powerful uh, messages to your mind about how much you love baseball. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty neat thing. You, you never want to uh, underestimate how important that is. Absolutely. And what sets Old Dominion apart? What's different about your school? Why do people want to come and play baseball over at Old Dominion with you, with your coaching staff? And where can people find more information about Old Dominion? How do we get more people your way on social media, websites, everything? Yeah, well, we've got an Instagram page, ODU Baseball, uh, Twitter. Um, mine's Zach Coach Finney Five. So people want to follow me on Twitter. Um, we've all, also got an ODU Baseball Twitter page. Our website's a great source of information. Of course, not much going on right now to put on there. Um, you know, I think our program is, uh, in a nutshell, about development and how we get to that. It's just about the people. You know, I think our coaching staff really cares about the kids. A lot of people are going to say that. But we do it. We just finished with a three, six, five team GPA for this semester. We got good students. We recruit good students. Um, we've got a great academic advising situation here. I think that was our 14th straight semester with over a 3.0 team GPA. So, um, and that's why they're here at the end of the day, right? To to get that degree, and and we don't lose sight of that ever. Um, it's a blue collar facility. Uh, we got a great playing surface, great location, nice weather. We're in a great league. Conference USA is a fantastic baseball league. Teams like Southern Miss and Florida Atlantic and Rice um, we're competing against every weekend. And, um, you know, but it, it's, you know, I'm, I'd be lying if I said it was the best facility around. It's not. But what we try to get kids to make their decisions on are, are people rather than things and because uh, the people are the ones that are going to help them get better and uh, the things get old you know you buy that new car it's great for a couple months and then you don't care about it that much anymore so the people are there with you every day and um, the relationships that we try to help them create and create with them uh, are the reasons that the kids that do come here end up coming absolutely it is about the people it's not about the things right we use things we love people. A lot of times we have it reversed. We love it. We love things and we use people, which is terrible. And yeah. like you said, as far as investing in the kid, that makes a lot of sense. How many coaches do I hear complain to me saying their athletes are so entitled? They're so, we're so entitled this generation. And then, okay, well, what are you doing? 
and they talk about buying the new gear and the new facilities. And it's, do you see how you're kind of feeding that monster? Of course, we want to take care of the kids and we want them to, you know, be happy and everything, but we don't want to feed that also. One thing that pops into my head is how when the Soviet Union trained their athletes, they did not have the best facilities. In fact, it wasn't uncommon for basketball players and volleyball players to be on their hands and knees hammering boards into the ground before their competition, but yet they learned how to compete. Whereas maybe in America, we might have relied a little bit too much on our stars and on our talent. They were focusing more on building the athlete, you know, their mindset, their nutrition, their strength, their technique, their skills, their drills. So that's an important thing that athletes also experience, that, that blue-collar, tough mentality. That builds character. Well, it definitely is. Uh, I don't know if you read the book, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. He, he went around and actually, you know, did a whole book about this. And a lot of the places where the most talented kids came from were places exactly like you talked about, as blue-collar or well, I would consider better because they had less, but it was as blue collar as you could get. And they embraced that. Right. They, they used it as a plus, not a, not a negative. Like we're outperforming all these other people that have all this other stuff. Uh, we don't need it. You know, we got, we got what we need. And so we talk about that, you know, same, same way um, without a doubt. And uh, you know, I, I like the, I like the, what you said right there about things and people and, you know, the, the movie Fight Club was a great movie, and they had one of the best lines ever in there uh, when uh, Brad Pitt said, you know, we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. And uh, so we try to stay away from that. Like, yeah, we have all the, you know, the back contracts and apparel and all that, gloves and all that stuff too, but that doesn't make you a better player, doesn't make you a better student, doesn't make us better coaches. It's just something to have, and it's things we use, um, and that's it. That's it. So let's not get hung up on that stuff when we're deciding where we're going to go. Um, you know, uh, they're at a certain level, everything becomes kind of equal, and then the bell curve moves the other way. Um, and so there are kids that make those decisions because of that. I understand it. Um, you know, we don't we don't uh, harp on it too much. We just would prefer that kid that doesn't need the ping pong table in the movie theater in the locker room uh if they're coming here and they're in the locker room then they're getting changed and get ready to go to the cages or the bullpen or you know the field to get some early defensive work that that's what we would prefer and and then we like to get them out of here you know i don't need them here all day um we want to be here two and a half three hours we can get all the work done we need unless it's a scrimmage day and then go study go be a college kid there's a lot of value in in uh, being good at the other parts of your life uh, that help you be a better baseball player. And so we encourage that um, as much as we can. That's great stuff, Coach. Absolutely. Using baseball as a vehicle to build virtue and skills for life. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. Anytime. I appreciate you guys asking me to come on and uh, give me something to do, certainly on a windy, rainy morning <laughs> over here on the East Coast. And uh, getting through uh, whatever this tropical storm is right now. And, um, you know, I wish you guys all the best. I've listened to some more of your interviews. You guys do a great job. Thank you very much, Coach. Really appreciate it. A lot of gold nuggets of information that you gave us. 
I, I really hope that our listeners are sitting there with a paper, a pen, taking notes. You said a lot of great points. I loved what you said about the emotions and and that that's they're they're overrated. Just a ton of things that you spoke about. So that, thank you again, Coach. My pleasure. Thank you. Y'all have a good right. one. Take care. Yep. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website, zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you get the ebook. Also, make sure as an individual you sign up for the one on one free trial consultation. That's the one on one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one on one attention whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one is always the best. Thanks for staying with, with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.